Hey, good morning. You're tuned into Community Powered Little Raleigh Radio and listener supported. My name is Jacob. This is Lawn Darts Radio, uh, your weekly uh, dedication to uh, deliberate and mindful leisure here in the city of Oaks and around the Triangle. Uh, Benny Mac is uh, out playing some uh, playing some putt putt today, so uh, hopefully he'll he'll find some fair fair weather and uh, I'll be tuning in along with you. Very excited though. I'm a huge fan of the Prothean Arts. That's that idea of. Uh, your mind steering your body to to make art, uh, and of course, uh, the 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 main stage for that is theater. And uh, uh, jo- uh, Johanna Maynard Edwards, the artistic director for Raleigh's uh, Women's National Theater, the is it National Women's Theater the Festival? National Women's Theater Festival um, is in the studio with me this morning, and uh, they uh, they are putting together several several events for the festival this year which runs from june 21st through july 1st so two weekends and a week uh, in between them good morning how good are morning. you i'm great thanks for having me no no thanks for thanks for coming in here coming up uh, on a sunday morning to come talk about art <laughs> my favorite topic <laughs> Oh, and just for uh, folks, a uh, little bit of uh, brief background um, before you got started with the uh, National Women's Theater Festival, uh, you had been teaching acting uh, for a yes, while. Yes, yeah. My my full background is I uh, went to NYU's Tisch School of the Arts and studied theater. I focused mainly in directing, devising, and design, um, and then <laughs> went into education for a day job. Because it's just notoriously high-paying field. Um, So I had been kind of just cobbling together my life as an independent, self-producing artist and teaching artist through places like Raleigh Little Theater, Arts Together here in the Triangle, um, and places in New York and Minneapolis where I lived before. Yeah, well, uh, so how long have you been in the, the area? I actually, I grew up here. I grew up in Eastern Wake County. I went to East Wake High School and then (laughs) off to the big city. Um, And I came back in 2006. And I really just thought I was here for a year to apply to grad schools and get back out. Um, But I fell in love with the arts and culture and theater scene that had developed in Raleigh since I'd been gone and then I fell in love in love and <laughs> found my husband, and I've stayed. Do, uh, have you been able to, uh, I think around 2006 or so was when they were doing the the um, outdoor Shakespeare um, pop-ups? Yes, yeah. I wasn't a part of that. I came back, um, my connection to the theater community here had been Burning Coal Theater. So when I came back, I Jerry was the first person I called and was like, hey, you got any gigs? And so I started assistant directing, um, designing costumes and working different programs. Like I helped pilot a lab for playwrights and directors there, which is kind of one of my big passions is helping other artists gain the tools to get their work out there. And hopefully that's a, a big arm of what the National Women's Theater Festival does. A huge arm. And that's that's part of what drew me to this company was this spirit of like, it's a very punk, very DIY operation of what what is it that we need social justice wise? What is it that we're not seeing in the art that's happening? And how do we make it in a way that aligns with our values and our beliefs and what we want to put out there in the world? 
And I think that uh, punk and DIY nature of it um, kind of lends itself to how the festival presents itself, where it encourages the participants uh, to build their own festival um, because you have kind of three headings. You've got the the WT Conference, the um, WT Fringe, as well as uh, WT fam- or WT Family. Yeah, we do. So we, within the festival, yeah, we have these three programming tracks, and one is the WTF Con, which is an educational conference for like anyone who practices theater, studies theater, or just loves theater. Um, where we have like people from the top of the field. We just announced our keynotes yesterday, who are like Broadway performers and Tony honored. <laughs> folks um christine toy johnson chelsea pace and katie sullivan are our three keynotes and with those there's also like 25 other presenters at varying stages of their career and everyone is invited to participate in these workshops both in person and virtually and and engage together like how do we all bring the field forward how do we all collectively and the theme this year is opening doors like how do we keep opening doors for ourselves and for each other yeah, I guess when you when you open a door, there's there's always going to be some trepidation, um, as well as some excitement. So, what are things that people that want to support uh, a theater and uh, or women in theater, um, what what can they do to make it easier to open open doors? What are some things that people are excited to talk about um, on that topic? Yeah, I mean, so just even starting with our three keynotes. So um, Katie Sullivan is a four time U.S. Paralympian champion. She um, she is a paraplegic woman with blade legs and she originated the role of Annie in the Pulitzer Prize winning drama Cost of Living. Um, so hopefully we, the Tony nominees aren't out yet, but I'm really hoping that she's going to be nominated for a Tony for that performance. And not, by gosh, by the time she comes to Raleigh in June, I hope she's won herself that Tony for being um, for representing disability and opening doors for disabled women in theater on the largest stage we have in the U.S. So, yeah, that's the type of door openers. And um, Christine Toy Johnson is uh a Broadway actress. She's finishing her last leg of the Come From Away national tour after five years. And um, she was Tony honored for her work with APAC, the Asian American Performers Action Coalition. And she's coming to speak about the topic of gatekeeping and how to just build your own gate. That if the gatekeepers are keeping you out, let's let's build our own gates. And that's what she started doing. She wasn't seeing roles for Asian American women, so she started writing them. And now she's the treasurer of the Dramatist Guild of America. So, yeah, yeah. that that's the types yeah. of of work that's happening. Is like at our festival. That, that, I mean, so these are these are huge gets, and it seems like a huge festival. What makes Raleigh a good place for that? Raleigh has been such a wonderful home for this festival. Um, you know, there are brilliant, wonder what we get to do by becoming the National Women's Theater Festival is trying to connect local pockets of gender parity and social justice work from around the country and helping people be that nexus point for folks so that something if something cool is happening in Cleveland or something icky was happening in Houston. So folks can come together and learn from each other and and develop well. Um, And in learning about all these cities and all these communities, Raleigh is really a special place where the arts are valued from our Raleigh arts, 
you know, from the city, the the Office of Raleigh Arts does so much for the arts in Raleigh, the United Arts Council of Raleigh and Wake County. And we have Arts North Carolina, which, by the way, Arts Day is coming up this week where um, the arts organizations from around the state go talk to legislators about the value of the of this work. And it, it this is a place where it's valued, where um, people care about accessibility and about making art more accessible and inclusive to everyone who's in this community and everyone who lives here to have something to enjoy, which it's not, that's not happening in every city in America. I mean, when I think that as of, I'm not sure if still, still the case, but as of two years ago, when people, when they would do the, um, the, um, kind of the surveys for how to spend municipal money, uh, for the arts, that accessibility was the thing that the, Citizens kept that was usually I think that was the number one in 2019. That was the number one um, request for if you're going to spend money on arts, you need to make it accessible. Yes, and I and I can say from my firsthand experience because since 2017, I was part of the um, the group, the Arts Learning Community for Universal Access that the Office of Raleigh Arts put together that each year includes a cohort of um, leaders and administrators from arts organizations around Raleigh who come together around accessibility to create specific projects and solve specific problems for the community. And so that, again, <laughs> I because of being a part of that group and attend, be, becoming part of the Kennedy Center Lead Conference, which came to Raleigh last summer, and um, communing with arts leaders from all over the country, that's only happening in a few cities. It's not happening like this everywhere. So we should be really, really proud to live here. And keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's play some music. And when okay. we come back, we'll talk about kind of what um, the, the difference between a, like a French stage yeah. production is and what a managed stage production is. Absolutely. Uh, we'll hear some uh, Jesse Ware to start stuff off with the song uh, Born Again. Or I'm sorry, begin again, uh, and then probably some rose gray with nothing can stop us. You're tuned into Little Raleigh Radio. This is Lawn Darts Radio. This is Jesse Ware. Begin again. Oh, Japanese breakfast there for your Sunday morning. That song is Savage Good Boy. Of course, uh, the uh, the folks over the Wake Forest listening room have uh, leaked what they believe is this year's Hopscotch Festival. She's going to be playing out there uh, in September, but she'll also be in the Triangle on Monday night. Uh, that's uh, Michelle Zahner, and she will be reading from her uh, beautiful memoir, Crying at the H-Mart over at the Cat's Cradle. Uh, in the studio this morning, speaking of people that uh, present beautiful things, is Joanna, or Johanna. I keep messing up your name. Okay. I'm the worst. <laughs> no, it isn't. You've got a great name. Thanks. <laughs> um, and uh, coming up the end of June and the beginning of July will be the National Women's Theater Festival here at uh, in Raleigh at NC State as it's split kind of between the Stewart Theater and the Titmus Theater or um, we're actually using the Titmus and the Studio Theater and just all of Thompson Hall we we love oh. our partners at NC State University Theater and they give us full reign of that building and 
we just send them a spreadsheet of how we're using the building half hour by half hour and they work with us to make it happen well how are you using the building well (laughs) we um so we are using the building in a variety of ways um so during the conference those are the the wtf con is june 21st through 23rd um, we'll have two to three concurrent workshop sessions or talks happening in one of the theaters and then upstairs there's an upstairs classroom that provides a more intimate space for like round the table conversations and it makes it really easy to zoom participants in and out of that space um, and then for our WT Fringe Festival we'll be using both of the Studio Theater and Titmus Theater simultaneously they're back to back in the same building and we think we've designed the lineup so that you can really come to the Fringe Festival for a day and see like five to ten shows back to back just moving from one theater to the next and through the lobbies where we'll have concessions, beverages, vendors and then the other way we're using this beautiful building is we're so proud to be partnering again with Seed Art Share and the Parent Artist Advocacy League known as PAL to provide on-site child care programs. So one of the spaces will be for kids ages three and up. They're going to be doing a devising camp um, and we'll have sitter on site for all of the performances. So you just like book it at least 24 hours in advance and it's $15 an hour and you can just drop your kid off in the building and go see all the shows and do whatever you want. And then we also have a nursery program for zero to three year olds with like rocking chairs and places to nap and moms can come in and nurse if they need to. Um, so those are the main ways we're using that big old building. The the main goal of the festival um, through all of its avenues is to foster gender parity um, in in theater. Uh, yes. How uh, we've we've all been through a, a fairly traumatic event uh, with the pandemic and kind of things shutting down and then reopening back up. Hence your theme this year: opening doors. Yes. But if um, for several years you all were making progress um, in gender parity, and then. Um, I guess it would be a good. How does the festival see gender parity? And then when you when you have what feels like a huge gap where we were shut off from one another, um, how do you assess how that work is going uh, when you come back into things? Yeah, I think for us, we never stopped. We we literally uh, the first week of March in twenty twenty our team was really focused on what does our community need right now? Because yeah, for performers, for theater people, it was really traumatic and really fast that we're all now stuck inside. So we were really thinking about, well, how do we continue to connect as artists and over plays we care about? So um, members of our team, I want to shout out Mickey Marvel, um, particularly who does a lot of cool work here in the Triangle in a lot of ways. They came to me and was like, have you ever heard of Twitch? And because they're in the live stream gaming community. So there we were like the week of the shutdown, seeing how we could have a theater talk show on Twitch. And it then became like, okay, now we're going to do play readings. Now we're going to learn how to use OBS, open broadcaster software to layer all this stuff in and bring all the feeds. in. so we were, we were building a bigger community through that time because now suddenly people were not limited by geography and they had nothing else to do, right? There's theater people were all stuck at home, couldn't be on tour, couldn't be, you know, working. So we we gathered a bigger community during that time. 
Um, but now this like trying to open the door back to what is in person theater and what is our responsibilities and obligations to one another in real time and space. Yeah, that's tender and tough. Um, and I think our community, everyone I know, everyone I've been working with, because know that lots of theater art leaders and arts leaders, we have been talking to each other and supporting one another through this pandemic. And um, everyone, I know everyone still cares. I know everyone is still trying, but in terms of how we're doing, I'd give us about a B, <laughs> even me. Um, and the thing I want to say about that is gender, what, we, what we've gotten really great at is binary gender parity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to make sure at least 50% of the shows on our stage are, are, are women playwrights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we got, we got women. Check. We got women covered. But that's not gender parity. Gender, we know, is not a binary. It is a spectrum. And the people we are... All of us are not welcoming, serving, and including the way we should is the trans community, is people who live outside of a gender binary, who are gender diverse, who are gender expansive. And we also know, I hope I can say this on this program, that trans lives are under attack. <laughs> and this reality must be reflected on our stages. It must. And any of us who aren't tackling this or saying it or caring about it, we are not doing gender parity. And how is there, are you all nervous with kind of when we're, you know, going into an election year um, and it looks like that there is some folks that want to turn um, self-actualization and um, ownership of your your gender self um, into a culture war um, and I know other arts organizations feel like that they need to do everything they can to do to protect their talents, but they're also very worried that it's putting like a target on those organizations. Um, are you all nervous about that? Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, as um, my job as the executive artistic director of an organization means that I'm the chief steward of the organization that, I, that along with our board of directors, it's my job to, care for, protect, and steward this organization. But the organization is nothing without its people. <laughs> and caring for and protecting the people comes first. Um, it, but, but it's like, it's how do you, um, is protecting people not, like, not providing opportunities for them to showcase their talents and explore art so that angry people don't, you know, there's... I know I'm half answering your question. Haters gonna hate. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm scared. I'm terrified. But that's why, like, dear listeners, <laughs> all it's incumbent on all of us to be to be voting, to be turning out voters, to be talking to our elected officials. And to note again, here in Raleigh and here in North Carolina, I don't know if you're looking at what's happened in the rest of the Southeast, but like we're one of the last safe places to be trans, to have an abortion um, that we, so we, we have a lot of work to do to, to keep protecting rights. Theater has always been a place, at least in the American tradition um, where our nation has found its ideals, where they've refound those things um, at least as far back as both the civil rights movement um, and um, kind of acknowledging uh, PTSD uh, for uh, military members. 
um, and uh, kind of it's always been seen. Uh, you all use uh, in your me- your messaging for this year's festival. You're using the word radical a lot. Um, are you seeing uh, people's ideals um, in the art that they want to perform? Um, are you are you seeing uh, gender neutrality um, or gender parity for? the trans community is that coming into play for the work that's being submitted to the festival Uh, yes absolutely we're seeing um so much more work around two things the work i'm seeing a lot of is around um exploding binaries in terms of gender work that is um is exploding narratives around um diverse stories and lenses of diversity um, and getting just really, really specific and wildly diverse and different perspectives on themes like growing up in America, like perspectives of justice in America. And um, in particular, a lot of what younger playwrights and directors are bringing our way is around climate crisis and around um, what they feel is is like, a, well, not just they feel, what we know is an imperative. <laughs> but, they, but they're feeling the weight of that imperative. Yes, yes. And a lot of that is coming out, a lot of climate crisis and climate anxiety is coming out in work that I'm seeing from uh, younger playwrights and younger directors. So, When you all are, are finding these works, are they being submitted to the festival or are you actively going out there and curating and trying to find things to bring in? Where's we, the, or I'm sure you probably do both, but yeah, what is that yeah, balance Yeah, like? we do both. Um, for our festival, we do open submission calls um, for our Fringe Festival, for our conference, and um, on the off years that we don't do a fringe festival, we do an Occupy the Stage staged reading festival. So it's like script submissions. Um, and yeah, we do we do them as calls. We've gotten really good, I think, at placing the calls locally and nationally. Um, and we get a lot of interest. And then through those calls, we curate the submissions through um, through a process of like putting together a team or a committee of folks who's working on that process. We um, write the submission form together. We create a rubric around scoring together. And then we have multiple people looking at and scoring and responding to the submissions. Um, And then I do my version of that. And then we come back together as a team to put the final lineup together. What are some, some of the shows that you all are excited about? Oh this, this year i mean all of them <laughs> all of them i'm so excited about all of them um one that has me so excited that i would love to share about I, they're all my baby you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> i'm the mama and they're all my babies and all my babies are wonderful run us through a gauntlet of kind of helping people build expectations for the diversity of options that are, are there. yes okay so um we have so our fringe festival will span over two weekends the first weekend um, has a lot of a, a lot of shows and a lot of out of town shows, and our second weekend is a little bit smaller with a few out of town shows and a lot of second performances of our local shows in the mix. So we've got about five local companies um, and fifteen other shows in the mix, and four four of those are virtual, all virtual digital pieces. 
And we have our Fringe Lab, which is a cohort of 26 directors and producers that they uh, have been split into five groups to do their five Fringe projects. So for a total of 30 show options across two to three performances each over two weekends plus digital. (laughs) So there's all that to choose from uh, each weekend. Um, But a show that I'm really, really excited about is coming to us um, from a new grad program at Harvard. It's a program called Media and Medicine. And this amazing young playwright, director, producer named Ashley Cooper is bringing a show that she wrote um, with mentorship from Stu. So they're like, musical theater writer Stu is working on this project with her. Um, It's a play called it's a musical called Reverie. And it's based on um, the adultification bias for black little girls. And it's the story of a nine year old black girl whose um, father dies tragically. And as she's trying to respond and process her grief of losing her father, what happens at school is basically a tantrum where the police are called and this nine-year-old child is arrested. And this is a a real um, mental health issue. This is a real, it's called adultification bias, and it affects particularly black girls and girls of color and people of color uh, the most. And um, so she's trying to tackle concepts and problems like this through musical theater, through a healing lens. So this is going to be the first workshop production. And she has Taraji P. Henson handed her a $10,000 check from her foundation. So like she's this project is loved and being worked on and um, just had its first big reading at Harvard and they're bringing it here. So it's going to get it like the first chance for an audience to see this production with full band is going to be here in the Titmus Theater at NC State at the National Women's Theater Festival. And I'm just so excited. So what what makes something uh, fringe theater? Fringe theater is experimental. It is we call it like kind of bare bones, like things that are stripped to its most essential pieces and that are just, again, that like punk DIY aesthetic. It's like about being able to take your big, amazing, exciting idea and get it into a room. (laughs) Like all of our shows have to be able to tech within 75 minutes. And, oh, I'm sorry. And they, um, they, they, you know, you have to come in, you have to put on the show and get out. Um, cause the next show is coming in. So it's, it's theater that can happen fast. It's theater that's pushing boundaries, that's asking questions. And that's not, it's not being asked to be profitable. It's not being asked to be perfect. It's, um, pure, it's, it's some really pure art by people who really care <laughs> about what they're doing. And then audiences care as well because it, you catch that living vibe that this. Yeah, you get that immediacy um, and that like really strong connection to the artist making it. Like you're right there together. You're right there with them. Um, and the way these venues are built, you really are right there. And a lot of these are are maybe, you know, I told you about Reverie, which has a large cast that'll be coming from Boston. But we have lots of like one person shows. Um, we have 
Valerie David, who's a well-known a performer who brings her show The Pink Hulk to fringe festivals all around the world. <laughs> and she's it's she's been to Reykjavik with it uh, and she's bringing it here. So we have that like kind of immediacy of this one woman's journey through um, ha- being diagnosed with cancer three times. And then we have another one woman show. Amy Englehart is bringing her show Impact, which right after it leaves us, it's going to the Edinburgh Fringe in Scotland. The big, the big fringe. (laughs) So we have like just so many different types of work. And it is so, so many themes that for a variety of audience members to connect to. And we've tried to curate it in such a way that it's like, well, if you're coming and you're interested in this, stick around because in 20 minutes, this show is going to start. And it's kind of like that for whatever reason. So we've tried to curate it so that you really get excited to spend all day and all night enjoying theater. All right, let's play some music. Uh, We're going to hear the breeders when I was a painter, then some uh, Julia Jacqueline. I was neon. Sharon Van Etten and uh, Asheville's Angel Olsen right here on Little Rally Radio. That's uh, like I used to. Good morning. This is Lawn Darts Radio. And I uh, wanted to remind you that the uh, Skate Rally has a pop-up event going on starting at 3 p.m. today over at the train station. Uh, their long-term goal is to uh, build a skate park in downtown Raleigh. And their immediate goal is to build a temporary uh, skate park over at the where Northwest Street meets Capitol Boulevard. And... Uh, the uh, this evening they're having a big old fundraiser uh, for that, including auctioning off a whole bunch of fantastic skateboards made by folks like uh, uh, Jerry Warren, Caitlin Carey, um, Rob Logic, Rob Logic, <laughs> yeah, and um, Mundo Mundo. Uh, and uh, if uh, you have, if you want to skate around, or if you want to bring your kids out to skate around, they're letting people bring bicycles, uh, skateboards, of course, rollerblades, uh, scooters that are not powered. Um, at three o'clock uh, for a pop-up skate park at the train station here in downtown Raleigh. That starts at three o'clock. Chico Scott, who hosts the African music show Vagabonds and Power, will be DJing uh, during the skate pop-up. Uh, you can preview those uh, decks um, at the skate pop-up, and then the actual fundraiser begins this evening at six o'clock. So, and there's a VIP meet and greet with the artist at five. Uh, what are what are some fun wheeled instruments that you have seen people bring on stage before <laughs> wheeled instruments well pianos <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> they yeah. wheeled yeah like I, I, there's a lot of shows that have had roller skates i would imagine oh yeah 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 i've done i've done uh, <laughs> I, I i misuse the word instruments that's what three yeah i'm like <laughs> what instru- yes Yes, uh, shout out to Maura V. Harris. Her play called Space Girl includes uh, this whole roller derby lesbian alien theme. And I have been privileged to see it when the Women's Theater Festival produced it. And then I got to direct it um, when I was teaching at Longleaf School of the Arts. And we had our entire teenage crew on roller skates uh slinging the set changes in roller derby gear (laughs) i was like when the when the um backstage crew is somehow thematically tied into the yeah 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 me too (laughs) me too i like for everything to connect makes sense in the world And uh, this year's festival, uh, the uh, National Women's Festival, will be here in Raleigh starting June 21st. 
uh, what else? If is there still ways for people to get involved with the festival? Oh my gosh, there's so many or, ways to get involved. We are not full. In fact, uh, anou- more and more announcements of how to get involved are coming this week and next. Um, first and foremost, we need lots of volunteers. If you just want to hang out and work volunteer pre-festival or ushering or greeting people or stuff on the ground at festival, we have a special email account dedicated to it. It's volunteers at womenstheaterfestival.com. And you can just check in there and let just say hi and what you're interested in working on and we'll get you connected to the right departments. Another place where we really need volunteers is local hosts for out-of-town artists. We have lots and lots of artists coming into town from other places. And if you know this about artists, we don't make a ton of money. So having place warm beds and places or couches or futons. Coffee makers. <laughs> where you're where you would welcome an artist in your home. We really, really desperately need that. Um, and also for actors and production folks, many of our the shows in our fringe festival are about to participate in a unified audition call that we're gonna get up on our website. So you can audition for I think it's like ten or twelve of the fringe shows that they're gonna be casting local actors from the triangle. And some other, some of the fringe festivals or the f- shows in the fringe festival want to hire stage managers, lighting designers, projection designers um, directly from that, um, from local talent. And we have an intern call open with internship positions. So if you're a recent grad, a college student um, looking for an internship, we have those too. So lots of ways. How many hours a week do you usually look for for your for your interns? Um, our interns, like it's a it's a scale up thing. So our we're hoping to get our next crop of interns starting in May. Um, so it'll be like kind of ten hours a week, and then as we build up to the festival, that's like an all day, <laughs> all week commitment during those weeks, and then just a small number of hours in the weeks following to help us with our wrap up and. Uh, taking surveys and all that st- all that fun stuff that comes in post-production of a big event. Have you noticed, um, I guess, emerging technologies, has that had an impact on making um, fringe theater easier? Or or what are some some technologies that, that y'all are excited about? Or yes. does it Or does it create too much expectations for what can be accomplished? No, I mean, we... We set kind of because we've been working with our tech team for such a long time now in the in the broad live streaming and broadcasting area, um, we have a good language and a good set of parameters. And then working with the team at NC State, like we've just been able to set it up like you get to have up to 40 cues and you're going to get a cue sheet of the lighting looks and we'll pre-program them and you're going to send your sound cues and they'll be pre-programmed. Um, The part that excites us is we do believe that continuing to offer live streaming and virtual options is a major piece of accessibility for programming. So we're committed to that. Um, So during the first, all of the conference will be simultaneously live streamed to virtual attendees. The first week of the Fringe Festival, what we'll be be doing is taking high quality recordings of the in-person shows and then uploading them to be um, digital performances in the second week. And then we also will be live streaming um, from one of the theaters on the second weekend. So 
we'll have the cameras, we'll have the the live stream integration happening right there live in the theater. Um, and we just kind of keep that at, we just try to work within the, the bandwidth that we have. But another of our like big technology things that we have committed to is open captioning all of our performances. So our tech team will open caption, you know, shows give us the script, we'll make the captions and provide somebody to run them during performances. But where it gets kind of hairy is when folks are integrating projections. Um, it gets a little bit harder to do the captions. And so what we're doing, again, <laughs> we've talked about how WTF uh, often says things about radical accessibility and radical inclusion. One of those radical steps is that anyone who works with us will provide them the training and teach them how to make captions um, so that they can carry this forward in their work as an ongoing way to become more universally accessible. And so are those captions presented on the stage or do people need to bring equipment with them to? Great question. Yeah. So open captioning means openly available to all. So for us, how this manifests is that they are being projected on the back wall and are visible from every seat in the theater. Um, closed captioning refers to systems where somebody has to have an individual device to, to view the captions. Um, and we're open to working on those types of systems with folks. Again, like with the DIY nature of this work, like if you're coming at a problem with empathy, compassion, and all of your creative thinking skills, you can probably come up with a solution. And one example of this is last summer at our festival, we provided audio description for performances in addition to open captioning and shadow ASL. Well, we had a patron who was just going to be too tired to come to the theater in person, but needed audio description. We got the, we found the one little jack that the audio describer needed to go from the system in the theater, plugging it into her personal cell phone. So she was just on a call with that patron. So that patron had the live stream up on YouTube and then was just on her phone listening to the audio description that was being provided in house that night. So where there's, Create like this. We're creative people. We should be able to solve these very human and humane problems with the same type of excitement and joy that we do our other creative problems in the theater. Uh, and then, what are some other? We we talked a little bit. Well, the microphones were off, but um, uh, like some area theaters, like Raleigh Little Theater, they're fantastic about creating. Um, kits for full um, sensory options for folks that are autistic. Um, what are kind of accommodations do you all yeah. provide for that? We Well, we first of all, we'll be publishing our full accessibility guide in the next week or two that will have um, listings for all of our accessibility accommodations and offerings, including all of the performances that will, um, in addition to open captioning, will have ASL or audio description, um, so we are committed to providing lots and lots of accessibility services, but what is always available at our shows, um, we have sensory kits on site that have um, headphones, that have visors, that have um, disposable sunglasses. Um, we know the LED lights in theaters now can be really tough for some folks, including myself. We have a variety of fidgets, of weighted lap pads. Um, all the sensory kit items um, are there for your choosing. We also provide a low sensory break space that has like um, a kind of 
screen around it and a beanbag to settle into and some like low effect calming lighting and calming sensory items in the space. We also offer all of our programs at a relaxed performance is the norm of our performances and audiences are always welcome to engage, get up, move around and just come at truly come as you are in the space. Um, that, that that's just kind of a, a given baseline. Um, the other things that will be at all performances is um, there is a hearing loop in both theaters. So assistive listening devices are available and anyone who has um, hearing aids that work with loop systems that will always be available. And we're, we're really willing to work with any artist or patron on coming up with the just right accommodation for them. Um, and it, especially if you just call uh, call or email our accessibility coordinator um, as far in advance as you can, and we will come up with exactly what you need to participate and be present in the way that works for you. So those accessibility options will be posted to womenstheaterfestival.com mm-hmm. um, and then any of the contact information, yes. I assume, is yep. on you can, well. you can always contact info at womenstheaterfestival.com or our accessibility coordinator is our managing director. Um, so it's Hannah at womenstheaterfestival.com. So either one of those or basically anyone, you email anyone at Women's Theater Festival and say accessibility accommodation request anything like that and everyone on our team is going to work really really hard to meet you where you are what are what are some benefits that you like to tout um to folks maybe maybe they're you know they lean a little bit towards the philistine and what are just in general what are what are some healthy things that theater does for us what are some healthy things that theater does for us well it connects us um to our empathy and to our humanity um, being in space with people, no matter what, um, increases your empathy and awareness of the needs of others. Um, hearing stories uh, that make you feel seen or heard or val- your experience valued um, validates your existence and your being. Um, for a lot of us, we, we could take that for granted, but there's so many, many folks who don't get to see their experience presented and projected back to them in those ways. And it has such a profound effect, particularly when you're young. Um, those experiences are really important. Um, theater gets us in community and in conversation with each other in a way that isn't, it's about a story and so the issue is embedded in the story. Um, so it's not us versus them, me versus you, humanity versus inhumanity. It gets us back to the like real subtleties and real, the things that aren't black and white, the things that aren't on a binary, the things that are harder to just put a button on it's harder to explain the more ephemeral parts of our existence are there in the theater versus you know something that's very very has to cater towards advertisement or has to cater towards um tight formats yeah yeah stick (laughs) stick it to the man (laughs) um but yeah like along those lines some some things that we've been like talking around both on mic and off is like 
who, you know, who's included and who's excluded, who's welcome, who's not, how are they welcomed, um, how, like, how are we doing gender parity? And, like, a piece that I think I've said a few times is about how we have these radical parent inclusion programs. But uh, those are parents, and often it's women who become parents, women who become mothers, um, self-select themselves out of theater, out of their passions, out of their art, because they think it can't possibly be for them anymore because we're used to working with such rigidity, like get your kids out of here, like only show up if you can be quote unquote professional. Um, So we've tried to create this child positive environment and a place where parents feel welcome and that their needs can be met. And we really approach parent inclusion and caregiver inclusion as an accessibility need that like this is what a parent needs in order to access their art, their career, their training, their community. Um, no, so, no, I love that. So you're basically saying we need parents here. So what do they need so that they can yes, can be here? Yes, yes. Yeah. And and talking about humanity, parents are people who are like fostering this next generation of little humans. We need their voices in the room, not not out. We need them in, not out of the conversation. Well, let's uh, let's play some uh, Carrie Elkin here in a moment with Embroidery Stars right now. Uh, it's uh, Rihanna Giddens with Don't Call Me Names. Uh, some request to Caitlin Carey, uh, Please Break My Heart. She did that one with Dad Cockerel, and it's right here on Little Rally Radio. Prior to that, Lucinda Williams with New York Comeback, a new single from Lucinda. So, Or um, as I was describing, I couldn't remember her name. And I was like, you know, the woman that plays the guitar that wears blue jeans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we love some Lucinda. Yeah, That's a good mood. And Caitlin. And uh, um, Johanna is here telling us all about the National Women's Theater Festival, which is uh, making a big return. Uh, y'all came back last year, correct? I did. But this is going to be um, big, big, big. Um, big. <laughs> uh, this uh, June 21st through July 1st. Yes. Yeah. So. What else should we say about it? Well, we should say that um it's going to open some doors we are we're opening doors and uh, when you go to experiences like that where doors get opened you can then bring those experiences back into your life uh and so if you have either an arts organization a nonprofit, or even your workplace what are some some ways some things that you've learned in the theater world that can help people conduct their own equity assessments Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a great question. Um, I think it comes down to really stating values. Like what are our, what are, what are my values as a person? What are our organization's values systems that we're all um, agreeing by and then making every decision driven by those and just like really trying to cut out all the other noise And if it doesn't relate to the stated value, then it's not important right now. And and to just keep things very purely focused on on the on the values you're trying to uphold. I was in a conversation recently with someone and in the middle of the conversation and they weren't being rude about it. They're just like, I don't need to know that. (laughs) (laughs) And I was I was very impressed. They, They knew what was important to them uh, and how to hold on to that that focus. Yeah, yeah. Just name what's important, and then make all your decisions. Whether they're the for for me, it you know the executive director side of my job is 
the budget. It's the income and the expense. It's like, how do we drive the money that comes in? And how do we make the decisions about the money that goes out in alignment with our values, with our goals, and with our mission statement? Speaking of the money, uh, one of the things that um, you, the festival prides itself on being accessible. Yeah. Um, if folks need assistance getting tickets for that, or folks have the means to provide assistance yes. for folks to get the tickets, are there any programs? Oh, uh, yes. Thank you for asking that. Um, yes. So we offer all of our programs in tiered pay what you can pricing. We really like to state what the actual value of the programming is because we do think it's important to know what something's worth and for to where it's a moving target to be able to pay artists and arts workers their actual value and an actual living wage. That's a thing that hasn't come as far along in this region as other areas of equity and inclusion. Um, because a lot of us come to making theater or music or painting in our quote unquote spare time. And we're all like day jobbing and gig working, but like being putting that piece of economic transparency in front of the artists or front in front of the audiences is a way to help everyone share those values of like, yeah, these people performing these works and sharing their talents deserve to make a decent wage for their time. So we do state like the all access festival pass. We have valued that at $325. And even at that, it's a huge discount to see every single friend show and attend every single conference session, every mixer, every reception, every event for $325. But we also make all sorts of tiered pricing. Uh, we have hardship rates. We have half rates. You, If you need a full scholarship, we will arrange a full scholarship for you in exchange for a little bit of community service and volunteerism for us um, so that there is that exchange. There is that like, I need this. You have it. Let's all value it in the ways that we can. We're also providing them to see that they're willingness to put an effort and make change exactly yeah also has value yes it does it does everyone having skin in the game matters um and we also offer for all of our friend shows pay what you can ticket pricing where you can just put in the number that you're able to pay and willing to pay and we've been offering these pay what you can options since 2019 and i have found over time that about 20 percent of folks need to pay below what the general admission rate is. But there's also another 20% of folks who are willing to pay above that price, who's, who are saying with their, who are living their values with their dollars and saying, hey, I know that this is worth this much and I have the means and ability to do it. And when people do that, we all get to come together in community care and everyone gets to enjoy it. And we subvert the capitalist systems that want to keep us from including and from sharing and from thinking that scarcity is the only way. But to actually answer your question, yes, we have lots of pathways for folks who want to donate or we have a sponsorship program. We have advertiser rates if you'd like to advertise with us. If you want to be a vendor and rent a table and sell your wares to our community, we have all those ways for you to financially participate. And this week coming up, we're doing a pop-up popcorn fundraiser. So we'll be selling double good popcorn where 50% of the funds go to our nonprofit. And um, Where's that going to be at? It's going to be all, all online, so you'll be able to follow our website and all of our social media accounts and buy some popcorn from us. And it's so delicious. It's so yummy if you like popcorn. 
And it's just one of those things where 50% of the money comes directly to us. So even if you don't want to come to the theater and see a show, even if you don't want to do a workshop, even if you're like, I don't know if I want to donate my money. If you like popcorn, we have a way for you to participate. So. You, you mentioned <laughs> some some good community partners earlier that have helped yeah. you roll out. Um, I guess the Raleigh Arts Council. Um, yeah, we. Uh, yeah, you Arts Together. Um, what's the. There's a big one that you yeah. mentioned that Wake County and Raleigh. Yes, and I, yes, yes. Let me, yeah, let me say that we are funded by um, the United Arts Council of Raleigh and Wake County. Um, so we get uh, operating support from them. And also the festival is a recipient of the community spotlight grant that they give out as a community um, project in Raleigh and Wake County. Um, this particular festival isn't uh, funded by uh, the off by Raleigh Arts Commission, because <laughs> this is a year that we're doing something funky. We're doing two festivals in a single fiscal year. Um, for folks who know, like fiscal years tend to run July to June, and that's how lots of nonprofits operate. Um, so this year in, in uh, 2022, our festival was in July, but we're trying to make the move to making our festival be permanently in June um, because that's what works for our partner NC State um, to keep us in that part of their year um so our 2022 project was funded by raleigh arts and so this one isn't but we also get funding from the man bites dog theater fund um from the mary duke biddle foundation from the triangle community foundation oh gosh i'm hoping I'm yeah, and, and do you have any sponsors already lined up I yes mean, I know yes, you yes. Probably can use a few yeah more, but. um I'm so proud to announce that Theater Raleigh is going to be one of our season sponsors this year. Um, PAL, the Parent Artist Advocacy League for the Performing Arts, is one of our sponsors. Um, Seed Art Share is our big community partner. Seed Art Share, NC State University Theater, and their Theater Fest programming are um, our top community partners on this project. And we're always happy and looking for more. And so if you're hearing this and you... Uh, are running a program, an organization, or an event that you think connects to what we're about and what we're doing, just reach out to me. You can info at womenstheaterfestival.com. Nine times out of 10, it's me checking that inbox. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'd love to connect to you. I'd love to partner with you. Well, looking forward to hearing um, by June who yeah. some of those partners are. And uh, it's a good way to put your equity values forward. Yeah. By um, and then do you all take uh, individual donations? We as well? do. We're a 501c3 nonprofit and you can make a nice tax deductible donation right on our website. Um, it's a very easy process to give. Um, if you prefer to make your tax deductible, tax deductible donations in other ways, like handing a check to a nice middle aged lady with pink hair like me, I'm happy to take that check from you anytime. <laughs> And it all, all goes to a good cause. Uh, and it's been really interesting to hear about how the programs continue once the festival is over. You mentioned you're going up to New York very, very soon. Yeah, I'm so excited. I get to go back to New York this coming weekend. Um, Karen Finley, legendary performing artist, one of the NEA four for folks who might remember the chocolate smeared woman. That's Karen Finley. She is still out there making work and writing books and being a professor. And she was our keynote last artist last year at the festival. And she debuted a new piece of work that she was workshopping. And it's now having its world premiere uh, as a finished piece 
uh, in New York uh, this uh, through April and May. And so I'm so excited to be her guest and um, that she credits National Women's Theater Festival as being part of the development of the work. And that that's just kind of like a dream come true. <laughs> that's like 19-year-old Johanna's big dream would be to partner with people like Karen Finley on making work. And that's happening. And, and this year's festival will be a great opportunity to connect with more people that are going to be dream partners moving forward. Yes, indeed. And um, I couldn't leave here without teasing the fact that we're just about ready to make our, our season announcement for the upcoming season. We are producing um, three productions as um, the theme of the season will be full circle. And so all of these three pieces um, are with our works and with playwrights who we developed relationships with early in the pandemic and coming back to those works in a full and complete way through um, full productions that will be staged here in Raleigh um, and we'll be staffing those productions. We'll be casting locally. We'll be building production teams locally and I'm um, hoping that all of you will want to be season subscribers and come on out to these shows and support these works as well as our festival. And your season shows, are those done um, at in Thompson Theater as well or where, where do those live? No, I feel... I. The ink is not dry, but I feel really... Where have they lived in the past? I feel really confident saying this, that our entire season will be in residence at Theater Raleigh Studios, and we're so proud to partner with Theater Raleigh this year. Good good talent here in the Triangle yeah. to stay connected with um, from uh, Theater Raleigh. Uh, Justice Theater. Is, Justice is Theater Project, another amazing theater. Shout out to Honest Pint Theater Company, Raleigh Little Theater, our friends at Playmakers Rep in Chapel Hill, um, all the folks building work within these companies, I can say, um, and the North Carolina Theater are doing so with such generous open-heartedness towards the, towards the local community. All right, let's play some more music. We okay. got some uh, brand new music coming up from Indigo D'Souza. Her new album is, I think, one week away or five days away from getting released, uh, getting released on Record Store Day, which will be on uh, next Saturday, the Yay. 21st. A song is called You Can Be Mean. But before that, we're going to hear some Blondie. Uh, one of my favorites, the song is Dreamin'. Let's feel nostalgic for some Over the Rhine, so we'll fix that into the program. And that was Los Lunas. Part of that, Loretta Lynn with her classic Coal Miner's Donner and uh, some uh, Tumbling Dice by Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. Uh, in the studio, hanging out with me this morning on Lawn Darts Radio is jo- Johanna Maynard Edwards, and she is the Executive Artistic Director of the National Women's Theater Festival, which is lives here in Raleigh, does work all year round, but uh, they have a big, big major event Um uh, conference exhibitions, all sorts of fun, fun things uh, going on from June twenty first through July first. What are your, what are your, um, how, what are, how, what metric would you use to figure out whether or not this year's festival is successful? What, what are your, what are your touchstones? Goals? Oh yeah, that's great. You're now you're talking the grantor's language. Yeah. We <laughs> we need actual goals. Yeah, um, we're trying to measure success on um, depth instead of 
just cold numbers of like, we need this many bodies in the door. We're trying to measure based on depth of relationships, depth of connections, um, uh, how meaningful the impact is on the people who come. Now, I do want lots of people to come. Please come. We're building it. Please come, please. <laughs> um, but I think that's just kind of part of the anyone who's doing live events and arts coming out of the pandemic, if we are indeed out of the pandemic, is um, how nobody, none of us can really guess accurately what is going to be audience behavior and audience needs right now. Um, so I'm trying to keep the focus on let's offer the best programming we possibly can. Let's offer things that appeal to lots and lots and lots of people. Let's find lots of pathways in for folks um, and hope that that does the work, that that sells the tickets. And um, that's my leap of faith this time. I used to really just get in and like, everything's costing this much. We need to sell tickets for this much and we need to sell X number of tickets for that amount. Um, I'm trying in my older middle age here in this job and in this world and in this life that I'm navigating to be more comfortable with the unknown and experimenting and you know thank goodness we we do have support of some great funders some great organizations wonderful individual donors and ticket buyers who who come back time after time year after year um it's not even uh, local supporters at this point you all have some some statewide we do yeah we're yeah. so we're so grateful to be funded by the north carolina arts council i know i forgot to mention them earlier um, but the f support and funding that they provide and all of our granting organizations, I, can, I can't say enough how much uh, the folks working at these organizations really care about arts organization and individual artists in this, in this state. So, uh, I guess a final, final thought, a final question. Um, if you found out that there was like a young person that has never thought they could see themselves um, on stage making art. Um, what would you want to say to them? Oh my gosh, that there's a place for you. That's a, you, that, that is like the question that actually drives me day in and day out is um, showing, show, showing people who haven't imagined a place for themselves yet or lately um, that there is a place for you, that there is a community for you, um, that there is a world for you in the theater community, in the arts, in storytelling, in all the ways, um, and not to give up hope, not to um, not to count yourself out and self-select yourself out. I've done that a lot of times in my life. Um, a time I particularly did that was when I became a mother and when my child... Um, had developmental delays and special needs and I was I, he needed me to become his full-time caregiver um, taking him to medical appointments therapy appointments inpatient treatments all the things I really stopped imagining my career as a theater artist or as an arts leader and um, he's 10 now and here I am so um if you've been having trouble imagining yourself in this world or seeing yourself getting to where you're going, come join us. We have space for you um, and we have programming directly for you. I'll shout out one more of our keynote presenters, uh, Chelsea Pace, 
Um, she's t- doing a three hour long workshop called Qualify Yourself, where she's trying to help you break the myths that you're not qualified for the life you seek and the work you want to do um, and help you develop your own pathway to get there. So there's a specific piece of programming just for that coming up at the national, the eighth annual national women's theater festival. And already uh, folks can see the full lineup for the conference at women's theater festival.com. That's going to be a fantastic spot to also see the fringe showcase schedule once that gets posted. Yes. Um, as well as your full season and your disability. Um, yes. Yep. And sponsorship opportunities. The, the fringe show lineup will go in this week um, and starting uh, as early as we can this week, individual ticket sales will be available for fringe shows. So get yourself some popcorn. And- <laughs> Please get some double good popcorn from us in the coming week. Yeah. Make a gift, buy a ticket, be a part of it in any way that that works for you. We really want to have you enjoy some art. Yeah. All right. Uh, you're listening to Little Raleigh Radio, streaming online at littleraleighradio.org. We're going to close out with some Reese McHenry. This is Bad Girl. Thanks so very much for coming up this morning and uh, so making Monday. So. Yeah. Thanks so much for having yeah. me.